Orchestra. Well, we are engaged in a five-week series titled Give Me Five. We're asking you during this time to do two things. First of all, five at five, pray for five minutes every day at five, asking the Lord to send revival to our nation. Secondly, during this five-week period, invite five people to church with you. Now, not people who are actively engaged in other churches. They need to go there. But those who are not involved in church, invite them to come. Now, during this time, I'm also preaching five sermons focusing on the number five. We began with five stones of David, and I gave you five principles as to how to slay the giants in life. Then we looked at the five loaves of the lad, and our focus there was on ministry, and today it is five talents. And I believe the story or the parable of the five talents has to do with practical Christianity. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll look at this beginning in verse number 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. I'm sure that it's clear to you that in this parable, the master represents the Lord and the slaves represent us, those who are followers of Christ. So, what then is the first lesson we learn? Look at verse number 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. So the first lesson we learn in this parable is that everything belongs to God. Everything is his possession. In Psalm chapter 24, verse number 1, the scripture says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So the Bible tells us then that God created this world and this world belongs to Him. Well, we're all right with that, but the Bible also tells us that the church belongs to the Lord. Occasionally, I have someone say, well, it's my church is such and such, and I know what they mean. It means that I belong to such and such church, or I'm involved in such and such church. So they refer it to as my church. I understand that, but in reality, the church does not belong to me. It does not belong to you. It does not belong to the deacons. The church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ because he purchased it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. So Jesus then gave his life to purchase the church. He shed his blood to purchase the church. Therefore, the church belongs to Christ. 
The Apostle Paul recognized that in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. He said, I used to persecute the church of God. So Paul recognized that even when he was persecuting the church, that it was the church of God. So this earth belongs to the Lord. The church belongs to the Lord. Okay, we'll give him that. But did you know our possessions are also his possessions? Well, he can have the church. He can have the earth, but they're my possessions, right? I know you're not going to say that. That wouldn't be very spiritual. But did you know your possessions actually are his? Let's say that you come back 100 years from now. Who's going to own that house you live in now? It, it ain't going to be you. <laughs> what about your bank account? What about all those stocks you have? You see, the fact is we don't own anything. The Bible says that everything belongs to the Lord. He is the owner. We are stewards or managers of that that belongs to Him. In fact, the days of our lives. I got up this morning and I said, God, thank you for giving me another day. Did you know this day belongs to the Lord? The Bible says this is the day the Lord hath made. And then I get to decide whether or not I'm going to rejoice in it. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad and I can do that if I choose. But the day belongs to the Lord. And I've become increasingly grateful for each day. Maybe it's because I don't have that many left. But you become grateful understanding that today belongs to the Lord. The gifts of service we have, the opportunities we have, they all belong to the Lord. I am simply stewards of that that belongs to Him. My possessions are His. He actually owns them all. Sometimes people say, well, you know, 10% belongs to the Lord. No, not really. It all belongs to the Lord. In fact, the 10% is simply a recognition that everything is His. So I give 10% in recognition that it all belongs to Him. So the first lesson we learn in this parable is that it is his possessions. Everything belongs to him. I am simply a manager or a steward of that that belongs to him. Now, second lesson we learn is found in verse number 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on a journey. Now, the Bible says, In the master gave talents to his slaves, the Lord has given talents to us. Binds defines a talent as originally a balance, then a talent in weight, hence a sum of money in gold or silver equal to a talent. The Jewish talent contained about 114 pounds. So he gave talents to them. I read one commentator that said, the one who received the five talents, that would be equivalent today to about a million and a half dollars. The one who received two talents, that would be equivalent to about $600,000. And the one who was given one talent, that would be equivalent to about $300,000. Now, as far as I'm concerned, whether you got one or five, you got a lot of money. So he gave some talents to his servants. So what are we to learn here? The, the, the master gave talents to his servants. 
What do we learn? And it might surprise you, and you might not like it, but this is what I learned. Life is not fair, and we are not equal. You see, we have been sovereignly equipped by God according to His will to fulfill His purpose. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Folks, the fact is God equips us according to His will to fulfill His purpose. Now did you notice that He did not equip them equally? He didn't give them the same. Now we understand that in spiritual gifts that we are not equal or identical. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He will. So according to what the Scripture says, if you are a child of God, you have a spiritual gift. If you're a child of God, you have a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you. We do not have the same spiritual gifts. I think we probably understand this principle better when it comes to athletics. We, we don't have the same, we are not equal athletically, are we? Some people are built for speed, I'm built for comfort. So we, we are not equal. We understand that in, in athletics. For instance, I, I can illustrate it this way. Dustin Johnson and I both play golf. We use essentially the same equipment. He has some golf clubs, I have some golf clubs. He has some golf balls and I have some golf balls. He has some shoes and I have some shoes. I have a cap, he has a cap. He made $9 million playing golf this year. I have to pay to play. <laughs> we understand that we are not gifted the same when it comes to athletics. In ministry, we also are gifted differently. We don't have the same gifts. We understand that. Steve is gifted in music. I'm not. I like to listen to it, but I can't make it. Richard, he, he's gifted in compassion and all those things. He makes you feel good when you're sick. I make you think you're going to die. But <laughs> Richard is good at that. He, he's gifted in that. Oh, Philippou and I, we're still trying to figure out what our gift is. We're not gifted, we're not gifted the same. So we are, our abilities differ, our opportunities vary. We don't have the same opportunity. I have a friend who said to me, we don't expect the same outcome, but we expect the same opportunity. Well, that sounds good, but I said there's no such thing. Do you think my children, my grandchildren, have the same opportunity as Donald Trump's or Hillary Clinton's? Absolutely not. We don't have the same opportunity. And you know the thing that amazes me is that our founding fathers understood that even when they 
wrote our founding documents. In our founding documents, they talk about equality in one area. I have been created by God and you have been created by God. We are equal in the fact that we have been created by God. We're equal in that area. That is the reason that they emphasize freedom rather than equality because God has created you, therefore you need the freedom to be all God can make you. You have been created by God, you need the freedom to be all that God can make you to be. We are equal in creation, but we have been gifted differently. Well, the third lesson is that two of the servants gain more with their talents. Verse number 16, immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. So the Bible says that they invested the talents that were given to them. So the master gave them talents. They invested the talents that they were given. They were industrious. The word traded that is used there means to work or to labor. They put their talents to work. Do you understand that if you're going to build anything, you're going to have to work at it? If you build a business, you have to work at it. I was talking with um, Brent Skinner a couple of weeks ago. Brent has his own clothier business. And I was talking with him and I said, Brent, how's it going? And he said, you know, everybody thinks it's exciting to own your own business. He said, but it's depicted sort of this way. He said, you see a picture of a man riding a lion. And everyone looks at that picture and says, boy, that's exciting. That guy's riding that lion. He said, but the one on the lion says, I better hang on or this thing's going to eat me. It takes a lot of work to make a business successful. If you're going to be a great athlete, you have to work at it. The coach can tell you that. You may have certain gifts, certain abilities. You might be gifted more than others. But if you're not willing to put in the work that is necessary, then you'll never be a great athlete. The same thing is true with the church. You have to work to build a church. I know a lot of you think that we, you know, we just come up here and everything, is, it just happens this way. You know, the choir, how do these people show up? How do we get all these people in the choir? They just show up. No, Steve gets them on a guilt trip every week. <laughs> he works at it. If you're going to build a church, you have to work. I was talking with Richard Jackson, who grew the North Phoenix Baptist Church, and I, I went out to see him, and I asked him, I said, Richard, how is it that your church has done so well? Why has your church grown when others have not? He said, because we outwork them. Well, folks, it also takes work to be the Christian that God wants you to be. We are saved by grace. But the Bible says that we work out our own salvation. See, the problem with a lot of people who belong to the church, they walk down the aisle to shake the preacher's hand. They fill out a card. They think they have a ticket to heaven, and that's it. You know, I'm good to go until the Lord takes me home. That's not what God has in mind for you. If that were his goal for you, then he would take you immediately. He has left you here and you are to be salt and light until he takes you home. You have to work at it. You have to work to grow, to become, a, to be the Christian God wants you to be, to read his Bible, to pray, to spend time with him. Well, two invested. 
The talents they were given, they were successful, one failed, verse 18. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Hiding valuables back then was a common thing. People would bury them. It was, it was probably the safest thing to do with them, but it was the least profitable. Now, why, why did he bury his talent? The Bible says that two of these servants invested the talents given to them. This one buried his. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Probably because of a lack of vision. He, he failed to see his talent as a seed that was to be planted that it might grow, that it might become more. Now, I think that probably represents many of us today. We lack vision concerning our day. Linda and I were talking yesterday and I, I doubt that you're a lot different than I am, but sometimes I become a Concern, somewhat despondent as I look at the world and our country and I say, you know, the thing is going to hell. I mean, I, I think you probably share that. You're broken hearted about it. Lynn and I were talking about it yesterday morning. And we started talking about some of these things that are happening in our land today. And she began to tear up. Because you see so much that's slipping away. And then I talked to Eric, and Eric said, the world needs Christ more today than ever before. What an opportunity we have. Folks, that's what I need to see. I, my, my vision needs to be tweaked a little. I have the tendency, when I see so many things that are going wrong, when I see so many things that are falling apart, I have a tendency to want to withdraw or not know what to do but I need to have that vision is that the world needs Jesus more today than ever before maybe he buried his talent because of a lack of vision maybe it was because of a lack of faith he said I only have one talent look at the guy over there has five what am I going to do with one talent there's nothing I can do with this I only been given one I only have one talent Sometimes I think that Satan convinces you and convinces me, what am I going to do? I have so little. I don't have the talents that other people do. I don't have the abilities, the opportunities, the platform that someone else might have. So we like faith that God can use us. Zig Ziglar said, you are the only person on earth who can use your ability. God has given you the ability that you have. So maybe we need a new vision. Maybe we need a deeper faith. Then the accounts were settled, verse number 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. You know, none of us want to be audited by the IRS, but we're all going to be audited by the Almighty. We're going to stand before Him. That is a certainty. It is settled. We're going to give an account to what has been entrusted to us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You see, I believe that the rewards that are given are based on 
our faithfulness with what God has entrusted to us. Now, he's not talking about being judged for salvation. I've already judged myself. I've already judged myself guilty and have been saved by his grace. But one day I am going to stand before the Lord to give an account for the talents, the opportunities, the gifts that he has given to me. So judgment is rendered to these faithful servants. There was a day of accounting. So they reported a profit. They said, we have double what you have given to us. They received an award. Commendation, verse 21. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. That, that's a pretty good reward coming from the master. Well done. You've done a good job. I like that, don't you? When someone for whom I work tells me I've done a good job, he was commended. He continues, you were faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. If you're faithful with what God gives you, he will give you more. He increased the responsibility. He continues in that verse, enter into the joy of your master. There's great joy in serving the Lord. It is the place of great joy. So the Lord then commended them, he rewarded them, but the wicked servant also faced a day of accounting. Now look at verse number 24. And the one who'd received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. That's an ancient tactic to blame someone else. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. If I don't do so well, I blame someone else. Well, it's not my fault, it's society's fault, it's my teacher's fault, that's the reason my grades are bad, it's my parents' fault. It's someone else's fault. Well, that's what he's doing. He is saying that this isn't my fault. The Bible says that he blamed God. He was fearful, verse number 25, and I was afraid. He was scared to invest his talent. He said, I was afraid. He was careful, verse number 25, continue, see, you have what is yours. He carefully protected it, but he did not invest it. So look at verse 27, because there was conviction. His master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where, gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. He referred to him as wicked. Well, he didn't embezzle anything. He didn't squander the money, the talents that were given to him. So he didn't squander, he didn't embezzle, and yet he said that he was wicked. He said he was lazy. You know, folks, here's the thing. It is wrong to do wrong, but it is also wrong to fail to do right. And that's what the master is saying to him, you wicked, lazy slave. So he was condemned. He was deprived, verse 28. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Boy, that doesn't sound right, does it? That's not what we do today. Today we take from the faithful to give to the unfaithful. Today we take from the successful to give to the unsuccessful. But what did Jesus do? He said, you haven't been faithful over here. I'm going to give it to someone who will be faithful. 
So he took the little that he had and gave it to someone that he would trust him. Then he was cast out, verse number 30. And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. The word worthless means to set aside as useless. You see, an unproductive servant is useless. An unproductive Christian is useless. That's the point that he's making. Now finally, the lesson is our actions reveal our view of God. Our actions reveal how we view God. Now look at verse number 20b. Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. The word see that is used there means behold or look. He was excited. He said, Master, look at this. See this. You gave me five talents and I have gained five to give to you. He had invested his master's money. The first two were determined to make a profit. The last was determined not to take a loss. They were firm. The failed servant, look at verse 24. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. The word knew that is used there literally means I always knew. Master, I always knew you were a hard person. I always knew that you were demanding things that you had not given. You see, this man had seen God as being harsh. A.W. Tozer wrote, if we view God as a tyrant, then we'll filter everything through this lens. He saw God as being harsh, and as a result of that, he was fearful of this God. He viewed God as being harsh, Thus he didn't see him as a father, but as a harsh master. The lesson to be learned is we are to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us. Folks, I know a lot of people think, well, if, if I had such and such, I, I would do so and so for the Lord. But my question to you would be, what are you doing with what you have? Be faithful with the little things. David was a shepherd boy. He was faithful and became the king. The lad had a lunch that was totally inadequate. It was grain that was only considered to be fit for animals. But he gave it to the Lord. Be faithful with what you have with the gifts that you have, with the opportunities that you have. Be faithful with what you have. And God will trust you then with more. Master, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. And he pointed to a little spot and said, tend that for me. Not that little spot, I said. None of my friends will see. But he wept as he sent me back and said, are you serving them or me? 
Nazareth was a little place, and so was Galilee. John wrote, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Be faithful with what God has entrusted to you, and then he can trust you with more. But if you're not faithful with what he has entrusted to you, then he will take that and to give to someone else. We're about to extend an invitation, and there is a stewardship that is involved. My question to you today is, what will you do with this opportunity? With this opportunity, will you waste it? Or will you use it? Our Father and God, as we come to this time, I pray that your spirit might speak to hearts. And Lord, for those who have never come to know Christ, they might. Lord, for those who need to be involved, active, in the kingdom, I pray today that they will commit to being. Lord, rather than seeing the world falling apart, give us a vision that we see God is greater than all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand, the choir will sing. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to come and trust him. If you're looking for a church home, you want to serve there, our doors are open to you. Stand with me, please. As we stand together, they sing, you come, I'll greet you as we do.